The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong. As she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I am Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, first up, a huge question that crossed my desk the last couple of weeks. Are women the new men? Yeah, ponder that for just a second. Yeah, it caught my attention too. It is the very question posed by the folks at Euro RSCG Worldwide. Their report is called The Gender Shift, Are Women the New Men? And it looks at millennials, millennials specifically, not only through a bunch of secondary research they sifted through, but also through insight derived from 600 surveys in each of these five global markets, China, France, India, the UK, and of course, US of A. Along with that, they spoke to 100 Gen Xers and baby boomers, ages 40 to 55, for a total of 3,000 respondents. And again, the question is, are women the new men? Well, some other takeaways include a focus on individual achievement and satisfaction, no devotion to the cause of women's rights. Apparently, it's just too archaic for millennials to get their head around. Their big goal is happiness, and most of that is followed by love. In fact, Love is equated to happiness in their minds. Following this is freedom, money, and power in that order. Now, this is a huge shift from Gen Xers like me, where all the work was put toward the goal of money and power. And, you know, happiness is great, too, if you can get it, right? Well, interesting is the shift in men versus women. Now, we've talked often about women's amassing numbers in graduate programs, the workforce. Hey, frankly, more of us have stayed employed in the last few years than men. Well, the world's taking notice. Another takeaway from this study is, quote, unquote, if people could choose the sex of their child, more of them would choose girls. The reason they see girls as having the advantage in this world order, not boys. That's a seismic change, in my opinion. Meanwhile, when it comes to what women want, besides happiness and love, they want work-life balance. Now, that is not surprising. And they are seeking men who are strong, self-assured, and competent, not the boys they have to take care of. And leading these researchers to believe that young women are seeking more traditional gender roles. However, even marriage and having a baby has morphed into what researchers say is narcissus. Having that baby is all about personalization, making the experience public, to be celebrated on Facebook or a blog, and marriage is more like a partnership, a merger of sorts, say these researchers, but with women calling more of the shots, that's because she has more choices, and based on her needs, she may stay home, 
work or do both. But men, listen up men, you're expected to be more flexible and change your approach and support the family based on how she, the female, chooses to focus her time. Now that is a huge change, right? These choices, of course, come with a lot of guilt and second guessing on behalf of those women out there. And that is something that's not new. Moms get blamed for everything when it comes to their children. And researchers say that mothers cannot win. Well, I appreciate that after all of that insight, researchers share marketing implications. And here they are. Uh, to marketers, guess what? Stop man bashing. Uh, women want to see men as strong and capable. Capable. Toss out ginger prescriptions. In other words, um, you know, G.I. Joe, well, it used to be G.I. Joe in my day, is for girls and boys. And guess what? Barbie can be for boys and girls. And reflect the blurring of gender lines. In other words, yep, the NFL, they're targeting women. And guess what? Men enjoy spa days as well. Let women be human. It's okay not to be perfect, ladies. And don't count out courtliness. In other words, women still do appreciate courtesy. And acknowledge the new couple's uh, paradigm. Guess what? We're all sharing household duties these days. So I thought that was really interesting. Thanks again to Euro RSCG Worldwide for their report, Gender Shift, Are Women the New Men? I found it a fascinating read. I hope you did too. Well, our purse profile today, ironically, is the alpha mom. I don't know if that really falls in line with millennials and how they see themselves these days. There's more than 1.5 million of these women out there, median age of 39. Uh, college grads, married, employed full-time, making over $121,000. They like to keep up with fashion, see themselves as influential trendsetters, and are confident embracing their own individualism, uh, liking to stand out in a crowd, speaking their mind, even if it upsets people. And you know what? Guess what? Like me the way I am. They like to do unconventional things. They're ambitious and motivated, seeing themselves as a workaholic, wanting to get to the top of their career. They desire for something new, something changed up a little bit. They like to experiment with their lives, what they wear, where they shop, and the brands that they choose. And speaking of brands, they're shopping at Ikea, Williams-Sonoma, Pier 1, Bloomingdale's, and Nordstrom's. They're driving Volvos, BMWs, Jeep, Ford, and Honda. And when it comes to what they read and what they watch from magazines, Wired, First for Women, Vogue, W, Better Homes and Gardens, InStyle and Time are tops with these women. They're watching CNN, TLC, HGTV, Style, Bravo, Lifetime, and E. And they're online at CNN, eBay, Travelocity, Netflix, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. Well, my guests for this program certainly know about women and the state of our affairs when it comes to work and work-life balance and all those things related therein. Heather Boucher and Anne O'Leary are from the Center for American Progress. They're the co-authors of a recent report called Our Working Nation, How Women's Progress is Reshaping America's Families and Economy. That report explores how women's transformative, yes, indeed, it has been transformative, hasn't it? Move from the home into the workplace has impacted everything, and I mean everything, and the policy changes that need to happen to accommodate this shift. Heather is a senior economist at the Center for American Progress, and her research focuses on employment, social policy, and family economic well-being. She also co-edited the Shriver Report, A Women's Nation Changes Everything. And if you're a regular listener to Purse Strings, you'll recall that we had Jessica Ahrens on the program last year talking about the Shriver Report. Anne O'Leary is a senior fellow at American Progress and the chief director of the Berkeley Center for Health, Economic and Family Security, or Chefs, as it's called, located at the University of California Berkeley School of Law. 
Well, I'm excited to have both women on this program to talk a little bit more about our working nation and how women's progress has reshaped our families, the economy, and what public policy can do about it when Purse Strings returns in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for The Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. Round trip plane tickets, $1,100. Four-night hotel stay, $900. Conference passes, $2,000. And to think how far your dollar could go every month by working with WebmasterRadio.fm. On air and on demand at some of the most premier trade shows around. We report from booth to booth, session to session, keynote to keynote. That can be sponsored by you. Plus, we throw unforgettable networking functions where your message can be conveyed via audio or video from the ceiling to the floor. Contact sales at WebmasterRadio.fm for a free consultation. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is AdMedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. The Cyber Law and Business Report, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. First Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Welcome back to Purse Strings. Joining me today are Heather Boucher and Anne O'Leary from the Center for American Progress. Both women are co-authors of a recent report called Our Working Nation, How Women's Progress is Reshaping America's Families and Economy. And this is uh, came out on the heels of the Maria Shriver report uh, along with the Center for American Progress that we talked about last year called A Women's Nation Changes Everything. It is the second time we've been graced with CAP's presence. I'm very excited to talk about this particular topic. Heather and Anne, welcome to the program. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. So excited to have you on. I'm I'm just always enjoying what's coming out at the Center for American Progress and the work that you do is so important. For those people out there listening today who may not be familiar with Center for American Progress, talk a little bit about the organization and the work you two specifically do there. 
Well, this is Heather. I'll, I'll take that one. Um, you know, the Center for American Progress is a large uh, think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we focus on progressive issues um, and uh, pushing the policy debate in terms of uh, creating a better future for all of us. I uh, work specifically on our economics team, and we focus a great deal of our time and energy on you know some of the most important economic issue the d- issues of the day around jobs and the economy, or um, you know the just how the macroeconomic uh, macro economy is doing and the budget issues and things of that nature. Fascinating, and I know Jessica Aaron's one of your colleagues was on this program last year, talking, of course, about the Center for American Progress and the report that your organization did with Maria Shriver, which got so much buzz. It was called "A Woman's Nation Changes Everything," and I know with that report, it was really looking about how the U.S. of A. has become kind of mainstream uh, female. And there were tons of stats in there about, you know, the numbers of workers that we we make up now, how two-thirds of moms are bringing home at least a quarter of the family earnings. Four in ten moms are either the sole breadwinner, um, like a single working mom, or bringing home as much or more than their spouse. Um, talk a little bit, if you would, about how that particular report created some, kind of some momentum for change last year. Well, that that was, uh, you know, an enormous opportunity to really get folks talking and, you know, around water coolers and, you know, everywhere around the country around these kinds of issues and what's going on with women and men and their families and how this is affecting um, the world around us. And importantly, a key theme of that is was that, you know, even though women have changed and in your opening there, you know, you gave some great statistics about how the younger generations of men and women think differently about their lives than prior generations did, and they act differently. You know, women are more likely to be workers um, and uh, mothers are much more likely to be breadwinners than in generations past. But, you know, in reality, the the situation is is that the institutions around us, um, our jobs, um, our, the schools that we send our kids to, the way that we uh, organize our health care system, our institutions of faith – all of these really have not yet come to terms with these changes. And um, so that was a conversation that we were trying to spark. And we were just extremely pleased with how, um, you know, the reverberating effects of that report and how many conversations that seemed to spark and the feedback that we got. And, of course, um, Anne and I focus a lot on policy, and so we were m- most interested in how this conversation reverberated here in Washington, on the Capitol, and in the White House, and in state houses around the country. And I'll let Anne sort of take the, the second bit of that. But in terms of here in Washington, we've certainly seen this administration take these issues to heart, and um, we've seen a lot of follow-up from them. You know, a few months after our report came out, they did a big summit around the issue of workplace flexibility, um, where they invited over 100 folks, um, a lot lot of CEOs and advocates and working people to talk about um, these issues and what they mean in terms of the workplace and what we need to do to give workers that kind of flexibility they need while making sure that the companies get the work that they need done to be profitable. And the Department of Labor is following up with that with events all around the country to get people having that same conversation. And um, I certainly think that the Shriver Report played a role in in pushing uh, that to the top of uh, this administration's agenda. And you wanted to follow up a little bit. I know the report that you all worked on, Our Working Nation, How Women's Progress is Reshaping America's Families and Economy, has kind of delved into that policy change that needs to happen. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. 
Yeah, let me just say that, you know, I think Heather laid out some important pieces, which is that one of our hopes was that the Shriver Report would begin this national conversation. And then Heather and I followed up by offering some pretty specific policy recommendations about what the administration and what the Capitol could do now. And I think we're really pleased with some of that work. Uh, We've laid an important ground uh, work and the administration is beginning to do some simple but important things such as uh, collecting good data so that we know what's happening with workers in the United States. When are they taking family leave? How is it impacting um, their family economic security? What's happening with workplace flexibility? How can we do a better job to highlight some of those issues? But at the same time, I'll have to say that we are um, still seeing that we need to make progress in the national conversation Still, there's not enough focus um, on the main um, conversations in Washington are about jobs and about economic security, and too infrequently are the connections made between workplace, uh, work-family clashes and what needs to happen in terms of improving job security. We think it's a critical that as we think about Americans getting jobs, that we also make sure that they can keep those jobs so that we have policies in place that be able to retain good workers. We also think it's critical that we think about improving and updating our social insurance programs, that that includes how Americans work today. And that's some of the work that Heather and I are going to keep doing as we continue. Now talk, if you would, about the, the actual report, Our Working Nation. Um, it, clearly, you said you've, you've outlined in that report some of the, need, the policy changes that need to happen. Was the reaction as swift as you thought it would be once the report came out? Kind of how was it, how was it met? How was it embraced? Well, there's a couple of specific recommendations that we make. One is we say that we need to improve our basic labor standards. So we need things like uh, paid sick days. We need to make sure that families have access to wage replacement when they're on leave from paid uh, paid family leave. Uh, We need to make sure that employers uh, and employees have conversations about workplace flexibility. And we need to build... um, Uh, an infrastructure to be able to start those conversations. So in one sense, we're really pleased with what's happening. Um, The administration has focused, for example, on trying to uh, push Congress to have funding to support states to uh, start paid family leave programs. Uh, They committed to that in the last budget. Uh, They're still trying to encourage Congress to uh, put those funds forward. Uh, so I think that the conversation is beginning. We also have been um, heartened that a number of members of um, Congress are very interested in these issues, are beginning to draft bills. This is going to take a long time. If you think about the way the Family and Medical Leave Act, which is our last major work-family piece of legislation that was passed in 1993 and allowed for um, unpaid but job-protected paid a job-protected leave. Um, it took a long time. It took 10 years. States had to act. Um, national reports had to be written. We think this is the beginning of that next uh, next stage, which is to get paid leave and to begin to think about how to better improve workplace flexibility. Why has the, has the government been so slow to change? You mentioned 1993. It seems like eons ago. and And yet, what has been happening with the quote-unquote average American family has been changing pretty rapidly, at least it seems to, especially with the rise of the single working female, you know, the dual earning family, the stay-at-home dad, same-sex parents, all of that. I mean, that's been around for years, but it's just been more publicized in the last decade. Why haven't we adapted more naturally to the the changes in our quote-unquote traditional family structure, do you think? 
Well, well I think this it's is Heather. Look at oh. the national um, surveys that are done. You see that um, it's taken some time for people to understand that what was traditionally the role of the family to provide for caregiving, to ensure that children and the elderly were taken care of. Only um, as women continue to increase their involvement in the workforce did uh, attitudes begin to shift, not just of women but of men as well. And today you see overwhelmingly a a poll that we did with Rockefeller Foundation uh, as part of the Shriver Report showed overwhelming support for uh, workplace flexibility uh, to be provided by employers, uh, paid leave, uh, child care. Today people are really seeing the need for it, but it did take some time. One of the other things that I think is really important is to understand that um, an undercurrent of change is beginning to occur. One example that I give that um, has received very little attention is unemployment insurance. Uh, people generally think of unemployment insurance is when you get laid off from a job. But today, one of the ways unemployment insurance can be used is if you get laid off from a job because you have a, a caregiving conflict, uh, you had to leave your job because you had a very ill um, or disabled family member who needed care, You in, in a number of states, about 22 states, you can now collect unemployment insurance. So some of these things are beginning to very, very slowly change, and we think that it needs to uh, continue along that trajectory. You talk about slow to change, and I completely get that. You talk about the need for better data collection and to help inform what's really happening out there in the world, and I totally get that too. But we don't have to wait for the highest level of government to change things for us, right? I mean, aren't there some things that we can ourselves enforce more at a grassroots level? Well, certainly. Um, I do think, though, that it is important to have this change um, both talked about and pushed for at the highest level, because in many ways we need these these basic, especially in the workplace, we need these basic labor standards so that you have a uniform set of policies around the country and you don't have sort of a race to the bottom either among the states or among workplaces. Of course, um, there are a lot of things, you know, and, and we see every day a lot of employers that are already doing the right thing. They're offering their workers paid family medical leave. They're offering their workers paid sick days. They're giving them uh, on-the-job flexibility. But in many cases and in many workplaces around the country, these kinds of policies are only available to the workers at the top of the wage distribution in a workplace. They're, they're offered to the folks in the corporate suite or their highest paid workers, but they're not necessarily offered to everyone. Um, and I think that's one place where we do need to see more change, um, you know, so that if employers going to give this kind of flexibility to the folks at the top, that they think about ways that they can give that same kind of flexibility uh, to workers across the organization. We're seeing... Um, a lot of activism on these issues, especially out there in the states and localities. We have a number of cities now, including here in the District of Columbia um, and in San Francisco, uh, that have paid, um, that have fought for paid sick days in those cities. And you've got a couple of states that have paid family medical leave, California, New Jersey. Um, Washington has passed legislation, but has been unable to implement it. But these came, um, these policies came about because there are growing, vibrant movements out there in communities around the country that are trying to, um, you know, focus on these issues and how important they are for middle class and working fam- working families uh, who really have all of their uh, family members, adult family members in the labor force, and need these kinds of policies to help them, uh, you know, balance what they need to do at work with what they need to do at home. 
you know, in some ways, you know, the the fights over uh, after-school care, child care, um, for home health care, these sorts of things are also a part of this same basket of issues. We've seen a lot of movement on those issues over the past decade or so. Um, However, because of the fiscal crisis in many states, you're seeing these kinds of programs um, were some of the first things on the chopping block and have been pared back. So it's been a bit touch and go lately, but certainly there's a lot of room for um, citizens to take up this or for people to start talking about it in their own workplaces. Well, and we know there's all kinds of best places to work lists out there, and we know they exist, right? And we know what they're doing to support that work-life balance and to support uh, their varied workforce, uh, which is very, very varied. Um, So we know they exist. It's just to your point, it needs to kind of be happening on both the grassroots level and at the highest levels of government to ensure that um, everybody gets this type of support. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those key things that need to happen to ensure a better work-life balance, speaking of that. And then particularly um, some companies, specific companies that have taken notice and what they may be doing. Um, so more on that when Purse Strings returns in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google Help Files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Think about it. You worked so hard with your existing clients. How much time do you have every day to recruit more clients, expand your business, and add more value to your service? Let WebmasterRadio.fm do the work for you. We're the premier business-to-business on-air and on-demand podcast network with shows like SEO Rockstars, SEO 101, and SEM Synergy. We can tailor an ad campaign that includes 30 seconds every hour and a 30-minute special every month. Plus, the banner ads and links you need to reach our built-in audience and our legions of loyal listeners and podcasters. What you charge in hours for service is all it takes to get started on the fast lane to growing your business. Contact sales at webmasterradio.fm for consultation today. Two, one, booster ignition. Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine-friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. Introducing Ascender Cart. Ascender Cart optimizes your shopping cart with easy-to-use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with Ascender Cart. Learn more about what Ascender Cart can do for you at AscenderCart.com. A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T.com. 
the Jerry Abram Show, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Entertainment Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. Joining me today are Heather Boucher and Ann O'Leary from the Center for American Progress. They're the co-authors of a recent report called Our Working Nation, How Women's Progress is Reshaping America's Families and Economy. We've been talking a lot about the need for changes in public policy to enforce this at the highest levels of government. Talked a little bit, too, about how, you know, we can kind of take some control in our own hands in the workforce and attempt to change it company by company, but that both are needed. Um, At the top of the show, I did share a little bit from a report by Euro RS uh, CG Worldwide it was on gender shifting and what women really want. And, of course, they want work-life balance. And I would imagine that's only gotten kind of worse, the need for work-life balance. Ladies, what needs to happen to ensure a better work-life balance for America's workforce? What are some of those key things? Well, this is Anne. I'll, I'll start and then Heather can join in. But I think one of the things that Heather said just before the commercial break was that we really need to look at what's happening in our states and local communities and try to start there and, and make some improvements. So first I'd say that one of the things we need is to make sure that families have the direct support they need in the form of child care and elder care so they can go into the workforce. Uh, for many years, our states have put investments into these programs, but state budgets mean that there are going to be um, severe cuts to these programs. This will, on- no, will not only impact um, the ability of people to uh, get jobs in these sectors, but it also will have a ripple effect su- such that uh, somebody who is relying on uh, help on child care or help on elder care may not be able to work any longer if they no longer receive that support from the state. So I'd say we need to do a better job of educating our leaders in the state that these have major economic impacts, not just on um, uh, individual workers, but on our whole economy. And then I think we need to really lay the groundwork for the future. There's so much that needs to be done to improve our systems of social insurance, whether it be paid family leave or having the right to ask your employer for some flexibility without um, having any retaliation, being fired, or having a change in your shift just because you've asked for some flexibility. So these are some basic steps that I think need to occur, and Heather can add to to that. I think Anne is, um, you know, certainly I'm just going to re-echo one of the things that you just said, Anne. I think we're on the same wavelength that, you know, thinking about what's going on at the state and local level and, um, you know, how people can more directly impact the policy process is really an important goal, um, an important way of thinking about these issues now. I mean, one thing that, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes we forget, right, in this era of, you know, high joblessness with so many people out there searching for work, that doesn't mean that these issues are not still front and center for millions of families. And these are the kinds of issues that make it possible for a breadwinner to keep their job, to keep them out of that unemployment queue, um, to keep them sort of working, you know, uh, the, you know, if they have a sick kid and they need that day off but don't feel that they can ask for it because they're afraid of, of losing their job. These are the kinds of issues that people are thinking about. And so in many ways, this basket has become more urgent than ever. And so one of the things that we need to sort of come to terms with it, that these are not sort of ancillary uh, perks kinds of issues, but these are really bread and butter issues that we need to have as a part of our jobs and recovery package moving forward. 
Well, and clearly it's good for new business. Um, good, it's good for business. It's good for society. All this, you know, is, is going to have a ripple effect, as you said before. What can people listening today do to assist in this effort to, to elevate this discussion and, and ensure, help to ensure some change? Well, I know one of the things is you have many listeners who are part of the business community, and we really need employers to step up. There are so many that already are, and um, you know we just so applaud those uh, work, those um, those employers that are making sure that their employees at all levels have flexibility, have access to childcare. But really, there's not enough going on. Uh, there's too many workers who don't. So, to the extent that um, business leaders can stand up and say, "This is good. This is good for my bottom line. This is good for my employees. This is good for the economy." Economy, that's going to make a huge difference. Um, and to the extent that there are people watching and listening who are um, experiencing these day-to-day difficulties, I think one of the other important things to remember is this this isn't your own private difficulty. You don't have to solve this by yourself. Um, join together with other members of your community to make sure your voice is heard, whether it be at your workplace or um, from your government officials. Well, and I would add to that that, you know, uh, riffing off Anne's last point there, that this is not just a personal problem. This is an issue that faces, that most every family in America faces in one way or another. Either they have um, an elder family member who needs a little bit of help and they, they don't have the flexibility to help them deal with that, or because they have children or because they themselves have some, some sort of uh, care issue so um, in, in need of care. So this is something that, you know, not, you know, talking to folks at your workplace, you know, if you're a member of a union, thinking about, you know, putting these kinds of issues into your union contract, but also other kinds of venues, like talking about it at your church or other um, faith institution or neighborhood organization. These are things that are about workplaces, but they're also about communities. And um, the more that we can, you know, hear from folks and and hear their, you know, their stories and what they want to see happen, I think the better we'll all be. And I do also want to echo one other thing that Anne said, which is that there are a lot of companies that have done a great job on this, and we are very appreciative and understanding that if workers have the ability to both be the kinds of family members that they want to be while also doing good at their workplace, um, can really, um, you know, as an economist, I can tell you that I've seen so many studies come across my desk that show that this is good for the bottom line, it's good for productivity, and we're very excited about those companies that see that. But it would be great to see those business leaders talk to their peers um, and talk to other leaders in their community, other business owners, to sort of spread the word that this really can be good good for business as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for coming on. It's clearly a half hour doesn't do it justice. It's a topic (laughs) that needs further further discourse and discussion. And so hopefully people uh, listening today will, will take the thoughts that you've kind of planted today and take it into their own workplaces and, and continue the conversation. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and for those of you out there listening today who do want to dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more about this report and others, and as well as the great work done at the Center for American Progress, please go online at AmericanProgress.org. Thanks to my producer, George, for another great show. And join me next week for another edition of Purse Strings right here, Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. Mm-hmm.